Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by my very good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And if you cannot tell by my tone of voice, we are coming off of another Packers loss, the seventh of the season, right when we thought things were turned around and the Packers were ready to make a run for the NFL playoffs. They drop another game, this one to the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night football at home in the 20 degree weather. So, uh, really fun, exciting stuff, and we got a lot, of, lot to talk about today, don't we, Ron? How are you? I'm just chipper, Griff. How are you doing? <laughs> chipper. I think I'm chipper as well, man. Uh, no, I'm being sarcastic, actually. This this loss, I've, I've taken it really hard. It felt like a playoff loss, as you said last night, Ron. It felt like a playoff loss because it essentially gives us... Matt LaFleur said there's no margin for error, but what a real human being would say is that we can't lose any more football games. So, uh, it's just tough. I mean, it is. You know, you look at the schedule, and our next opportunity comes against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are currently sitting at 8-1, and one, and that's in Philadelphia. So, it's it's tough to have a positive outlook about the way we're headed. Um, you, this had to be the game. I, there's, I feel like there's a lot of things that went into why we lost this football game, but that had to be the one that... You win the game against Dallas, right? And And that's a big win, obviously a special win. But to get that second win is when you know you're starting something, trying to go on a run. You feel like you're starting something special. Um, So you need to get that second win to kind of really start a run. Green Bay just couldn't do it, and now their backs are completely against the wall. And it's tough. It's just unfortunate. Um, A lot to get into, Griff. I guess we'll just get started. But you can't overstate how disappointing it is to lose a game like that where it was really set up for us to win. Short week, Thursday night, four days off a the biggest win of the season, and it's at Lambeau, freezing cold, all white uniforms. It was made for us to win against a good team, you know, and it's it, it just wasn't in the cards. I have so many thoughts, man. I have so many thoughts. These is the cold weather. Is that even an advantage anymore, man? Because Jesus, every single year, it's like we we see the cold weather and it's supposed to be really advantageous for the Packers, and then it ends up they end up dropping these games just like they did in the playoffs to the 49ers. That was even colder than it was on Thursday night. But Thursday night, man, we're playing a team from Tennessee, and it's cold outside. This is when Rodgers is at his best. This is the home field advantage. These are the Green Bay Packers. It's cold out. It's snowing, flurries at least, and uh, they look just like they have all season, man. That 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 was the biggest takeaway that I had from this game. You know, like, we get this win against Dallas. It felt really good. We love beating the Cowboys. Our first win in six weeks. It was in overtime. It was dramatic. We were riding the high, you know. But we said it on the podcast last week, you know, kind of, I think you were bringing this up as a positive thing, Bron. But, like, we saw things in that Cowboys game that we've, we've seen all season. You know, all the negative things that we've seen from this Packers team this season, reasons that they've been losing games, reasons that they lost five games in a row, the ways they shoot themselves in the foot, they were still on display against Dallas, although they were just, you know, not as prominent and the positives were able to negate what impact they would have. But those things, what do you know? It's the same football team, and this team is just not good. I mean, that's just... That's why it's so sad to me. Like, that's just the biggest takeaway that you can have coming out of this game. This team is just not good, you know? They get in their own way every single week. It's going to happen. So that usually leads to a team uh, winning about half their games, and that's where the Packers, it looks like they're headed. The problem, I think, mostly is that we continue to have hope that this defense can be an elite group, but it hasn't been anything more than good this year. And against the Titans, they were just dreadful. It, It was 
really unfortunate. And I get that they're missing guys. Obviously, Eric Stokes, Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary. But, man, it's just, you know, you rely on these guys that are supposed to be depth pieces to come in and, and not have too much of a drop-off. But they just looked ridiculously poor out there in a, from a secondary standpoint. And these are the guys that we're expecting to be elite. And that's hard to overcome because Green Bay went into this season – thinking that they were going to rely on that defense to be very, very good based on the group that they had coming back from last year and the influx of talent with the two first-round picks. The problem is Brian Gutekunst did not do well enough in, in drafting those two guys. De- Devontae Wyatt's playing a redshirt year, basically, the way he's been getting maybe no more than six snaps a game. Quay Walker is fine. He's been good. He showed up and played really well against the Titans, but not an impact player at this point that was going to make a big difference to our football team after losing a guy like Devontae Adams. So just all these things kind of piling up here and and guys not playing as well as you expect. The secondary was supposed to be one of the best units in football, and they just haven't been that this year. And against the 31st-ranked passing offense in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, who's been pretty much average to below average all year, the the Titans' passing offense, they have – Nobody that we can't cover. You, From a talent standpoint, you put our defensive backs against their receiving core, and we wipe them. But we go out there and play the football game, and it looks just dreadful. And their guys are getting open, wide open, busted coverages. Guys are just beating our supposed top players in the secondary. And it's just ridiculous. I, I don't even know what to say at this point because it's a continuous thing that we've seen all year and it's a big reason why we're losing football games and it was a massive reason why we lost to Tennessee even though we were able to stop the run. Yeah we were able to stop the run pretty consistently all night. Um, the, the Tennessee offense was just so infuriating, so frustrating to watch man. Just oh my god they were getting three yards, two yards, four yards, third down they convert. It, it, we could not get off the field on some of these drives. It was so annoying. They, It was one of those first halves. We've played these first halves before where the offense is going long drive, you know, the score points, and then the defense is giving up a long drive and giving up points. And it, you get to the you get to halftime, and you're like, wow, we've only had the ball three times. This is a, this is a weird game. And that's what it was like. But then, it, like, okay, so this year... We've had games where a lot of the games have been, a lot of the losses have been because of the offense, I feel. You know, like 15-9 loss to Detroit. That's that's on the offense. The defense had their poor moments, but you expect the offense to be able to score 15 points, you know? Like, that was most of our losses this year. But then you have games like up against Buffalo, where I would say that game was, that loss is probably because of the defense more so than the offense. You know, the offense was moving the ball well in that game. This week, they, they both decided to show up and be the reason that we lost because these the offense and the defense, these two units have not played you know as a, as a complete team all season long. They've been constantly playing well when the other one is playing poorly and vice versa. And that was against the Titans. The defense could not stop a nosebleed for the first three quarters, and the offense was going up and down the field, and we both felt really good about the offense, Braun. And then as soon as the defense starts getting stops, forcing punts, getting interceptions, that's when the offense decides to not move the ball whatsoever. And Aaron Rodgers decides that he's going to start missing throws. What is that about? I thought Rodgers was having one of his best games of the year precise big time throws he looked really good in rhythm and then he just starts missing throws on the in the worst possible situations oh my god man 
This it never it never stops with the 2022 Green Bay Packers. Every week it's something that just it makes no sense. That's the thing, Griff, and I guess we can start getting into the offense specifically a little bit, but with Aaron he was making many good throws. He continues to, all season long, he's made a lot of elite throws. Um, but I think with this thumb injury, apparently it's a broken thumb, right? And that's obviously hard to play through. But I, I just think this quick turnaround did not leave much time from a game-to-game standpoint to heal. That could have impacted some of the grip that he was talking about he really couldn't find against Tennessee. He was throwing a lot of wobblers, some not tight spirals. Um, but he continues to put the it's, – it's weird because he makes his normal throws, but then there's ones that he should make or, or should be a little bit better, and they're just not there. I think it's just kind of like a grip-to-grip basis on each throw. It, it can get a little challenging, and throughout the game it comes up here and there. I'm not sure, obviously, but it's just tough to really picture what it would be like if he didn't have that thumb injury. I don't think, as you know, Griff, we've said this a million times, I don't think Aaron is the issue. There are those missed throws or whatever, but since that week five hit on his throwing hand, it's just been tough. I know he's had to deal with that, and I don't know what that would have changed if it didn't happen, but I I just, it's weird. It's such a weird situation. There's There's a lot going on around him as we talk about all week. But this was tough. I mean, the the time in between, it was just only it was the four days, and I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. But I don't know. I really don't know what to say. It's tough. I I don't think he's the issue again. Like he's not the main reason why we lost that football game, and he hasn't been the reason why we've lost yet this year in my eyes. I just don't think his play has been the major issue for for this team. But again not good enough for us to win and he has to play better in order for this group to win he just has to play like like near perfection and like that's how, that's what he talked about he did that in Dallas didn't do that in this game not not a turnover but just missed too many throws whether it was you know the thumb or whatever he missed too many throws for us to have a real shot we had way too many opportunities on offense got the ball back a bunch in that fourth quarter and we just couldn't get it done. And that's that's entirely on the offense. And it's not just on Aaron. It's that whole group up and down. This is a tough game to evaluate Aaron Rodgers' performance in because, like I said earlier, man, the first, like, three quarters, he was not missing, bro. He looked like, okay, Ro- this is Rodgers dialed in. This is Rodgers playing for the playoff run, you know. Like, it's we're going to win this game, and he's going to look good, and he's going to have great numbers. And then it's just like, all of his worst throws came at the worst possible times. On third down, he's missing Sammy Watkins, who was wide open over the middle. I'm sure we'll get into what went on there. He misses Alan Lazard high on third down. Uh, Off his hands, to be fair, but like, again. It's just, these are throws that we just, with this group of guys, guys are not wide open constantly consistently enough for Rodgers to be able to miss them on third down you know like he's got to make these throws with this group of guys he has to be perfect for this team to win it it, and when he's not the offense looks like how it did against Tennessee which is just it looks good it looks good and then it looks bad and they can't do anything and it looks really bad I thought one of the worst plays Rodgers had was a a sack he took I think it was I think it was the final time we had a ball and we were actually had the ball that was a really tough sack to take yeah, that was like the worst thing. The one thing you cannot do in that situation. If any quarterback should know it, it should be Aaron Rodgers. The one thing you cannot do is take a sack there. When the clock is ticking and we're going backwards and we're already down 10 points, 
that was just that I think that was his worst play all night the two throws included in that but you know he still did have some really impressive throws which is what makes this evaluation so tough because we are we were only in position to win the game in the fourth quarter because of how well he played early on you know it just sucks that he had an uh, uh, the opposite of a clutch performance where in the fourth quarter when things were getting tight he decided to take his level of play down and Tennessee's defense, Griff, it's this really solid group, top to bottom, front to back. Um, what they do up front in Tennessee is probably one of the more underrated points of, of any team in football is, is how good they are up front on defense. But it's just, it really is too much uh, from an offensive standpoint. I don't know how many times we got the ball in that fourth quarter, but the defense, that's when they started playing well, of course, is they're getting these stops. Like every time you think, and, and when Rasul... I can't overstate how big time of a player he is because we're just waiting for that big play and there's no more there's no one more intelligent than Rasul Douglas to be able to go through the film and see something like that and go away as soon as he sees the play action the hard in the hard in route and and he grabs that interception like it was perfect That felt there like the him. play of the game man that was like the the that was the play that was going to bring us back in it because at that point I thought the game was like kind of getting to be over and then Rasul gets the pick and it's like oh thank god we're going to win that was the big play and and he did it and that's the one thing you have to give that's why a guy like you start the worst part of it is you start to like review the roster a little bit when after a game like this and think about especially after a game like that you you think about who you like and who you don't for next year potential oh, group. God. And, We're and getting in off-season thing, right? mode already, man. We're thinking I about know. the position groups and the depth at each position. And oh, uh, But I'm thinking about Rasul, right? And and he's just one of those guys that is going to be a Super Bowl caliber player for us. Like I think he is the type of player that can be a true leader and the game-changing type player that Obviously not to this extent, but what Charles Woodson was able to do from an on-the-field and off-the-field standpoint, you see Rasul being able to make those game-changing plays that not many guys make. It's just a rare quality, that clutch. From a, from a defensive player standpoint, go make a play, and like you know they need it. And he just, it's like, you, he's good for one of those every game, it seems like. Something ridiculous. They throw a screen to his side again, Griff, we always talk about. Just shut down. It's like, he's so good at those game-changing, really season-saving type plays. He's made those for us this year, and he did it all last year. He's the type of guy that we need to be at the top of this defense for a Super Bowl run. And you start to think about those things, and we've got guys. Jair, at his best, is one of the world's best. And But some of these other guys in the secondary, we talk about Darnell, he didn't play good yesterday, and, and it's just like, what more can they do with him? I don't know, and I, I'm not sure he's going to be around next year. And then you look at Adrian Amos, and he's been good for us over the years, but he's no longer the game changer that he once was, and it's just, is he worth having around? Like, I know it's tough to find a guy better than him out there, especially when you, your only options really are free agency and and drafting a guy but it is just really he's not providing enough to where he's going to go get another contract I, it just doesn't make much sense to me at this point he's not playing well enough and and that duo used to be regarded as one of the better safety groups in the league but it's just not been that for us and they were a clear weak link yesterday and 
I'm not sure moving forward what else there is to do but to, to let those guys go at the end of the season if it if this year heads the way we're expecting it to. Yeah, the Smash and Savage combination has not been very good this year on either end. I mean, Amos, is, I think, has been better. And I think Amos, for the most part, has still been a good player. But He's been good, you know, right? But it's a, it becomes a, like, where can we get more value out of, out of a guy? Does he right. deserve a second contract at this point? And he is a free agent, of course. So uh, that's going to be it's going to be interesting what they do there. Savage, good thing they picked up his fifth year option this offseason, right? So he's uh, under contract next year, making a lot of money. So that's good. I think he is the worst starting player on the Packers defense. Every week he continues to just uh, you know we we give up these plays and it's like okay you you watch the replay who's this on? Oh, it's 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 typically Darnell Savage, isn't it? He's having a really tough season. Um, in the safety group, yeah, coming into the season, Ron, we talked about the safeties, and like, there's just not a lot of depth there um, beyond the top two guys. Another position that we were worried about coming into the season would be wide receiver if we want to go back to the offense here. Um, I think that if we're in this mode now, it's week 11, maybe it's still too early to be in this mode, but if we're in the mode of just like watching every game with just like looking towards the future, you know, just like, okay, who's going to look good in the, which one of these young guys is going to look good, right? Christian Watson has now put together two games in a row where he looks like he can be one of the best players in the NFL as he gets older, you know, he, he has another two touchdown performance. The first touchdown was on the free play at the end of the first quarter. And you couldn't really, from the broadcast angle, Rogers throws it up. It's a jump ball. And the defender is in front of number nine, like the number nine. And so you really don't know for sure who it is. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way this is Christian Watson. And it was Christian Watson. And my mind was blown. I was so excited. The second touchdown, that's just ridiculous, dude. He gets another multi-touchdown performance after being such a not a disappointment but just like uh, making you question where his production was for the first nine to nine weeks of the season you're questioning okay why aren't they doing anything with Christian Watson now two weeks in a row he's by far the best receiver we have and he's also put together these two touchdown three touchdown performances it looks like he is really here to make an impact I was so excited when we drafted him and I'm just so glad this is kind of finally coming to fruition a little bit and he has that confidence that you just need to see from that number one receiver type guy, and he has looked so good in these past two games. That second touchdown, he just outran two guys that were ahead of him on these. And these crossing routes are just unfair, especially in the red zone where the the tight space, and he just is getting right through that and so fast. That is and it's such just an advantage, how quick man. He is, and it, it is. It's it's just truly an advantage to have him being able to go across the field like that with the safety and corner just unable to catch up as he speeds past them. And then it's just pitch and catch. I mean, Rodgers doesn't even have to do anything at that point. And that's where that's where a guy like him, it just makes it so much easier on what we're trying to do as an offense to be able to throw the ball downfield with his speed and then do things in the middle of the field that we really haven't been able to do over the years because of the lack of speed on our offense. And MVS, just not as good of a route runner as what Christian Watson is able to do. So No. Uh, you look at the nuances a, of the route running, and Watson brings things that MBS you never saw with MVS. No, he just <laughs> he's a whole different type of athlete. It's just it's clear. And the agility and all that is, is above and beyond anything MVS was able to do for us. And that's what's exciting going forward. Um, but look, we're going week by week here. And, and I think looking at moving forward this season, how we can be successful as an offense. I think one guy that t- did not get much from a snap standpoint, Samari Torre, I thought he would be more 
vocal in, in this game because he's a guy that has made it clear that he can separate downfield. While guys like Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard just continuously prove that they cannot do it. And it's hard to play with those guys out there. And I, I hate to say it. Allen, everybody likes Allen. Everybody loves Allen, right? But I am just so fed up, Griff, with the lack <laughs> of separation that he gets. He's supposed to be the most sure-handed guy on the team. He does all the dirty work blocking. We talked about it last week, Griff. He can't block. He can't block anymore. He's just a pathetic blocker. <laughs> and he also can't catch. He just drops these balls. He can't come through. He can't come down with the catch after he makes the catch and complete the process. It's just and the only time he catches footballs it seems is when Rodgers throws him handoffs when he's completely covered. And you find the rare opportunity where he gets open on a slant and takes it upfield once in a while, but other than that, he provides no value. He just can't get open. And he's our number one receiver. It just doesn't make any sense. And I get that Rodgers trusts him, but that's because he's been here for so long, not because he's a great player. And you look at some of these Packers teams over the years, and you talk about teams with Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. Would Alan Lazard even make these teams? Would he be more than the number four or five receiver on some of the teams we've had over the years? The answer is no. But the Packers came into this season with him as their number one, and that's unsettling when you look back on it. And it's unfortunate as well. So I'm just not sure we can even do anything with him as our number one. But the good news is Christian Watson has stepped up in his place. Sammy Watkins, again, I just don't, I can't handle him anymore at being out there because of how slow he is. And um, he's just too many mistakes in the loss against Detroit and not enough big plays. He can't make any plays for us. And it's just these are the guys that were brought in to replace Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard was relied on to be that number one type replacement. And luckily, Christian Watson is stepping up, but it's too little too late. Romeo Dobbs is out. I would like to see Samari Torre, who's actually shown that he can get open downfield, and he's made a few plays for us. I'd like to see him get more action over these guys like Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard, who everyone thinks, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people think that he's a great run blocker. Because, um, you know, he's built. He has a few... Every season, he's going to have a few highlight-worthy blocks where he puts a cornerback on the ground, right? But um, he is not a very good run blocker. In this season, he has a 34.2 PFF run blocking grade. 34.2. That would rank uh, below 200 of all of every receiver who has a run blocking snap. There oh are about 200 goodness. players with a better, uh, better run blocking grade. 200 receivers with a better run blocking grade than Alan Lazard. And I, I, it's sad because you know Alan seems like a great guy, but. Again, everybody just loves like, Allen, Griff. We like Allen. I like him. Yeah, like, it's, it's just, just sucks. Like, like it's just like Dobbs and Watson. We are being critical of the front office's decision to have a season with 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. He's about to be 39, and Allen Lazard is the best receiver he's got coming into the year. That's just insulting. It's embarrassing. It's beyond frustrating because we knew what kind of player Allen Lazard is, and he has shown. 11 weeks now that he is no nothing more than the player that everyone knew he was and we were just oh yeah he's our he's going to be our number one he's going to be the Devonte replacement man it's it's really frustrating dude it is and every week he's become kind of our emotional punching bag when the offense stalls and they can't get first downs Braun, you and I, we talk on the phone and we just complain about Alan Lazard half the time because he's not open. And it's so funny. He's had so many catches this year. 
down deep down the field, 20 plus yards, where he is not half a yard of separation. There's nothing. Rodgers just gives it to him, you know? And that keeps continues to happen because he just cannot get open. And look, if he was our wide receiver four, if he was a bench player, wide right. receiver three even, what he's been. He'd be great. It'd be awesome. You'd have him in the red zone, and he digs out linebackers in uh, in the run game, and it's like, yes, that's what we need from him. He's a role player. He is a role player. That's what he is, and we're relying on him to be our ex-receiver, and he is not that. No, Griffin, you're right. I mean, it, it just sucks to have to continuously dog on him each week, but the main problem is is that he's been our number one receiver this year, but he's played like our number three because he is our number three, and he can't be anything more than that, and if he was playing like this as our number three, we'd be thrilled with him, but it's because the front office has put us in this position where we had to rely on him as our number one, and it has nothing to do with Allen personally. The assembling of this roster to have Green Bay stuck with him as the number one receiver has doomed us from the beginning. And it puts us in a tough spot as, you know, not only fans, but just people watching this team. You have to, at some point, start to wonder how they could have put themselves in this position, having Alan Lazard be the guy that's going to come in and replace Devontae Adams when he was there as our number two. And people, many reporters, fans, everybody alike, were calling, including Devontae and Aaron Rodgers, were calling for an upgrade at number two receiver. And here we are a year later, we've now lost our wide receiver one, and the guy who we didn't even think was good enough to be our wide receiver two last year is now our wide receiver one this year. And that will never make sense to me, and I won't understand it, but the reality is it's where we're at. We have to look forward with the group that we have is Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, who had a phenomenal game in his return, from ankle injury that looked pretty serious at the time, and here he is coming back, and he leads the team in receiving. What a professional, right? Like, he is just, we can't talk, you can't say more than we've already said about the guy because he's come in and had such a huge impact. But I'm pretty fed up at this point with the way that they've gone about assembling this wide receiver core, and I don't know where we can go moving forward because it's going to have to change next year. And it's going to be tough to think that we can win our final six games with this group. It's just hard to see. It's it's so difficult to see. <laughs> it is, but uh, we're going to have to if we have any hopes at a playoff run. But the receivers, it's going to be it's going to be fun. I think you know. Let's like if we assume that we're out of the playoffs at this point, it's still going to be fun to watch this team every week because we get to watch the progression of Christian Watson and when. Romeo Dobbs comes back that's gonna be fun too and those guys I think are going to be very very elite at some point in their career I have total faith in them I love them as players um the fact that they are you know they've played so many snaps at this point in their career I don't love that now uh, a major question coming into this game Braun that a lot of people had was after the Cowboys game where we only threw the ball 20 times we ran the ball I think 39 times and we had a lot of success doing that. And we were, you know, the Cowboys were giving us eight-man boxes. They were giving us heavy personnel, single high safeties, man coverage on the receivers. They were trying to stop the run. They were going out of their way to stop the run. And we still continued to run the ball, and we ran the ball with with success. Um, now, a lot of people took that as, okay, that's what the Packers need to do every single week, right? I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe that was true. They need to do that every single week. They they can be a good power running team. 
Um, but I think that had more to do with the fact that Dallas is not very good at stopping the run, and they haven't been all season because they are in the bottom five of uh, teams in run defense, uh, according to EPA per play. Um, because the Packers, they tried their they tried their hardest against the Titans to run the ball. They kept trying to run it, man. Even on that fourth and one, the last play of the game for the offense, they kept oh trying to run gosh. it. That and uh, yeah, it wasn't working. AJ Dillon averaged 2.2 yards per attempt. Jones averaged 3.3, oh 2.9 total. Like it, they were trying to run it. But th- here's the thing: Tennessee was giving us the same exact looks as Dallas. Meaning, you know, we thought maybe that we talked about it last week. Dallas gives us these heavy boxes. They load the box up. They give us man coverage on the receivers, and we were still able to run the ball, and we were able to create big plays in the passing game. So we were like, okay, now what are teams going to do? Are they going to? Are they going to prefer to stop the run, or are they going to try and stop the pass? Well, Tennessee did not take the, the threat of the passing game seriously because they, they loaded up to stop the run, knowing that we were probably going to try and do that again. And we did try to do that again with 19 attempts, a lot of those coming in the first half. And, uh, yeah, 2.9 yards per attempt. Another one of those things where it's just like, yeah, this team is this team is what, they, what we thought they were, unfortunately. And the win against Dallas last week, there were a lot of things in that game that gave us hope. But this team is not very good at running the ball. And a lot of these offensive linemen are just not very good run blockers. Josh Myers at center, he's in his second year, and a lot of people have been hoping that he's going to, you know, take that step. I don't think he's taken that step because he gets bullied a lot. Same goes for John Runyon. And Josh Nyman, he's a great, reliable, he's a great, reliable backup piece, in my opinion. But he gave up six pressures against the Titans, and he's not very good in the run game. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with that, dude. We're just not very good at running the ball, and of course we're not very good at passing the ball. And so that's what that's what the Packers are this year, dude. Yeah, Griff, again, A.J. Dillon just coming up short. Aaron Jones couldn't get anything going either, and that's a big problem and a big reason as to why we lost too. We can't run the football, and when you can't run the football, tough to do anything else with this offensive group that we have. That's the game plan. You come in, you expect to run the ball well, and you don't. What can you do, really? Nothing's going to be able to work after that. Tennessee is very good, like I said, but we're supposed to be really good too. That's the that's one of the better running back duos in football. We were thinking coming into this season, Aaron Jones is electric as always, but AJ Dillon just I don't know what's happened to him, but he looks slow and he gets taken down much easier, especially when you're talking about right at the line of scrimmage. He's not breaking off guys like he used to. Aaron Jones is much better at, at breaking that first contact than AJ Dillon has been this season, and it's unfortunate, but this is the position we're in. And I don't know where do we, where do we go, right? Like you, you don't know even looking past this year. I'm not sure what we can do. Uh, but even just staying in the moment right now, talking about a week by week basis, we can't guarantee that we're going to be able to run the ball well because AJ Dillon is getting half the snaps consistently, and he's doing nothing with them. So it's hard to be able to go and say we're going to run the ball well week in and week out, or that you know that can be. Griff, you always like to talk about the identity of our football team. If you want to look at something we can do well on offense each week and go into a game and feel good about it, we really don't have that right now. Going in off these last two games, the one thing I would say is Rodgers to Christian Watson, you can have success there, and that's clear because of his game-changing speed. But the running game you can't rely on, and, and throwing the ball to anybody else but Christian Watson and Randall Cobb is completely unsure we just don't know if it's going to have any success so there's not much else to say I don't even know where to begin when you look at a game next week 
with this group that we have? Oh, uh, we got a tough schedule, man. We got a lot of games left that are just it's going to be tough to win, man, starting with Philly. Um yeah, so AJ Dillon, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week 1. He's been a uh, I, I, I don't play fantasy football, but I know he has been a very disappointing fantasy player. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, non-Packers He's been fans. a disappointing real player, I'm afraid. <laughs> Unfortunately, man. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think I think of a lot of it has to do with the offensive line, though, not just Dylan. Although I do think Jones is far and away better than A.J. Dillon as a runner. I think that uh, a lot of the lack of success from A.J. Dillon is because of the the run blocking that is available to him. Um, let's move to the defense, Braun, because, God, did they play their worst game of the season, I think. Well, maybe not, actually, but it was bad. Yeah. It looked like just just the worst Packers defenses that you can remember as a fan. It looked like all of those. Just every playoff loss that we've had due to the defense looked like one of those where we just can't get off the field. We're allowing these long drives, and it's just so boring. I'd rather give up a big play and a touchdown, you know, than whatever we were giving up on Thursday because it was just these seven, 17 plays drive didn't they have a 17 play drive we the could not get off the when, field man their worst part is when they're getting them into third downs and getting them into fourth downs and then can't stop them and that's pathetic to me like that's just just get a stop here you've done everything you could you've put yourself in position and they do this continuously and then yet ryan Tannehill is beating them and then that the one stupid play where they stole it right out of kansas city's playbook where Ryan Tannehill, you know, it's it's I knew it right as soon as he started moving up to the line of scrimmage. I, I think it was third down, might have been fourth, but I'm pretty positive it was third. We all saw it coming, or at least I did. When when Tannehill starts moving up to the line of scrimmage and then he starts walking away from the snap and he's going to the sideline with his hands up in the air, what does that mean? The running back's going to get the snap and he's going to try to take it himself in a wildcat formation and run it. I saw that from a mile away. Packers defense apparently didn't because he got the first down. And it's just the stupid things like that that aggravate me the most. When you get into those third downs and they continuously get the ball and, and are running it down our throats and completing passes, our third down defense was atrocious. Our fourth down defense was terrible. And I'm sick of it, really. I don't know what to say. We've been so bad, yet we have one of the most talented roster defenses from, from the paper standpoint. Coming into this year, we were expected to be elite, maybe the best defense in football. We have been everything but that, and the one thing that we thought we did well just completely went out the window uh, with the cornerbacks and the safeties that we have trying to cover the pass. I'm pretty much fed up. I don't know what to say. Again, how do you? what do you do from a, trying to figure out what we can do on the defensive side of the ball, trying to make a roster next year? Who do you, what do we do? I mean, these guys are all supposed to be really good, yet none of them are playing well. They did this with Mike Pettin. They're doing it with Joe Barry. Neither of those guys – I mean, Joe Barry coached an 0-16 Lions defense. So I don't know – I mean, and, that, and Matt LaFleur hired that guy. I don't know what we do. Do you just decide that you're going to – do you just decide that you're going to hire somebody else and Matt LaFleur is going to make that hire after he hired a guy who coached an 0-16? Like, I don't – again, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what to say. I think a lot of the fan bases, um, they probably already had, but I think pretty much all of the fan base now is turned on Joe Barry. I, I'd be surprised if there's a large chunk of Packer fans who are Joe Barry defenders because, I mean, it's the same thing we say every single week, dude. This defense, even with all the injuries, it's still too talented to look as bad as they do most of the time. And just stupid, stupid things that... Okay, so 
The thing with the cornerbacks playing so far off the ball on third down, that was a thing we ranted about that for a large amount of time after the Week 5 loss to the New York Giants in London. We spent after a lot of Mike, time complaining about that. Let me point this out, Griff. After the Mike Pettin firing and during that whole thing, these were the same right. things that are now bringing it back right with Joe Barry. It makes no sense. Yeah, and Joe Barry was also guilty of that. And Week 5, it was at its worst, where it was just so infuriating because the Giants don't have any playmakers, yet they were going up and down the field on us. Um, so we complained about that. Week 6, he decides to have Jair shadow Garrett Wilson against the Jets, of course. He has Jair shadow. We're playing a lot more man coverage, tight press coverage, and it looked good. And I feel like we were doing that for a little while, but probably against Buffalo... Things really changed because he got scared of doing that against such a such a good offense and a good quarterback. He got scared of doing that, I think. And I don't have the exact numbers, but the field test, going by how I feel, I feel like he has gone away from that um, these past few weeks. And then, again, like just looking at the Thursday night game, we we're right back where we were in week five, where these guys, it's like third and what was it third and seven I think third and six maybe and we've got a a blatant cover zero look of the entire front seven loaded up against the line of scrimmage and it's third down and the same exact thing as last week where do you think Ryan Tannehill is going to go with this football maybe to the nine yard window that is wide open to him on his left side you know, and that's what happened. And not to mention the pass rush without Rashawn Gary. The pass rush is just non-existent. And these blitzes, Quay Walker is the worst tipper of when he's going to blitz in the NFL. I've never seen anything like it. The amount of times the opposing quarterback will give him the hard count and Quay's tiptoeing forward, and it's like, oh, great, Quay Walker's blitzing now, and then he gets pancaked by a a running back. That happens every single play, man. It feels like it. And then these blitzes that we... other, Other kinds of blitzes that we send never get home. In fact, every time I see that we're sending a fifth guy from the secondary or the second level, I cover my eyes because I know that that blitzer is going to get picked up and it also means that someone we've we've lost a guy from the secondary now and there's probably going to be someone open and the f- the front four is not good enough to get home and the blitzer's been picked up so now the quarterback is going to have all day and there's only six guys in the backfield to cover and that's what happens a lot and I have to I don't know do you, do we have to give it to Joe Barry for trying to blitz I don't know if that's a that's something we should credit a, a defensive coordinator for but the blitzes have not been good enough. And just like the offense doesn't have an identity, there's not there's not anything this defense is good at. There's not any Joe Barry doesn't have a calling card. He doesn't have a signature trait, you know? There's nothing he does really well. Just they're kind of average at everything and below average at some things. When you let Zadarius Smith go, you're understanding that he was your best pass rusher, and Rashawn Gary can make a claim for that, but from a sack standpoint, it's always been Zadarius Smith. You're going to get a drop-off there, and we've seen that. Rashawn Gary has been excellent. He has been a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber player. He goes down, you are left with Preston Smith and Jonathan Garvin and Kingsley and Igbare. And again, you, you take a fifth-round pick as your third linebacker, and that's, who, that's what you're going to rely on. You know, that's, that's the front office's decision. Do you like that? That's up to you. But that's what they did, and now their third edge rusher, who's going to be getting a significant amount of snaps because these guys rotate heavily, is a guy who is a fifth-round rookie. And the seventh-round Jonathan Garvin is your other. So, again, now we're stuck. The pass rush, surprisingly to many, for some reason, is terrible. I wonder why. 
But Preston Smith, made it, he's a big-time player. He, he makes those plays when it matters, and he's very valuable to this defense. But other than him, just no pass rush whatsoever. Kenny Clark has just been vanished. Uh, I, I don't know what's happened there. I, I, he's getting double-teamed a lot, I'm sure, and I've seen it. You know, you watch during the games, you're looking at, at what he's doing up front, and he's getting double-teamed, but he's just not having the same impact. Dean Lowry's out there, so enough said there. And then it's just nothing going on up front where we can get any pressure. Yeah, Kenny hasn't had more than two pressures in a game since week seven. He had zero pressures for the first time this season against Tennessee. I don't know what happened there, man, but you remember the first like five, six weeks of the year, we were talking about Kenny Clark as an all-pro. We were like, this is finally the year that he's breaking out and people are going to know his name, you know? And no, that has not happened because he has all but vanished from the Packers defense. And the pass rush, yeah, it's pretty easy to just double-team Kenny Clark and take care of Dean Lowry with your guard or even your running back if you want to. Did you see Dean Lowry get thrown on the floor by Derrick Henry with a stiff arm? That was embarrassing. Poor Dean. But uh, Devontae Wyatt, good lord, can this guy get on the field? I'm sick of watching Dean Lowry. Can we... It's enough talk about put Jordan Love in because this season is going nowhere and we need to find out what we have. How about we do that with Devontae Wyatt, dude? How about we put Wyatt out there? What are we... uh, How much worse can we get from Dean Lowry? What are we worried about? I don't care how raw or green he is, man. Put him out there. At least we've seen what Jordan Love can do. We know he sucks. Like, we've seen it. Okay? (laughs) Like, we've seen it. I'm fed up, Griff. If you can't tell, I'm pretty much done. Can you think of a single player that's going to make the Pro Bowl on this football team, by the way? We might be like the Lions some of these years where they have nobody. Rodgers will probably make it, not go, and then who? Who else is making the Pro Bowl? Aaron no, Jones. No one else. Aaron Jones is going to make it. Jair is going to make it. No, he isn't. Jair's not going to make it. You got to think Probably it's the Pro not. Bowl, not the All Pro. It's not. It's not actually voted on by people who watch. Well, football. does he deserve the Pro Bowl this year? He hasn't even gotten the chance to cover anybody. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, nobody like that. When we're and that, talking deserving the, guys. Think about all the first round picks we have, and think about on defense, and think about all the guys that we have on this on this group this roster, and it's just so pathetic. How could we not have done anything with this team? And we're sitting here with four wins in week 11? Give me a break. I mean, what, what, a, what a terrible, terrible management of this football team from top to bottom. And it starts with the front office, and it ends with Matt LaFleur, and I'm sick of it. I am so sick of it. They've got six games left, and it's just so hard. This is the hardest it has been for me to believe that they can actually pull this out and try to win six games in a row. And it's how much can Aaron put on his back with a broken thumb? And can he really carry this group to anything special? Because he gave it everything he could against Dallas. To go to go get a 17-point a turnaround in a game that they were down by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, miraculous stuff. But this Titans game... I just, you know, you go out there on offense and Aaron Rodgers is thrown with a broken thumb to Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins and and Randall Cobb is not a guy who you're going to have getting open downfield deep. Christian Watson is getting double teamed deep from a safety and corner standpoint and just the way that they were covering with the two safeties when you've got, you know, Green Bay's got to throw it because they're down by 10 in the fourth, right? It's just like nobody's going to be able to do any, like we're not going to get open. And I'm just, I have no faith that they're going to be able to do anything in that fourth quarter. And they didn't because nobody can get open and they can't move the ball. They couldn't run the ball all day. And then the defense just 
played its worst half and third quarter that they could have in a game we needed to win. And even the little things, Griff, like our opening kickoff and every kickoff, I think, I don't know what it is. Is Mason just not have the leg anymore or was it really windy? I don't know what it was, Griff, but all our kickoffs, or was it by design? All our kickoffs were outside the end zone. And I just, I'm befuddled the whole game why they continue to kick. And I think it's just because Mason is dealing with an injury and he can't get the ball that far. Then our extra point is blocked. The snap was ridiculously low. And then our punter, who's been excellent all year, Pat O'Donnell, faces the first fierce Green Bay weather. And he's punting like you out there, Griff. And I am just, <laughs> I, it was so bad. I, I, I just, I'm so fed up. How I, many punters I, are we going to go through who, once it gets cold out, Oh, and he's uh, he's a Chicago punter for a long time, too. Hopefully he adjusts because he's been very, very good all year. And even he was – I don't know how many times we punted against Dallas, but he, he seemed fine in that game, but he just could not punt the ball this game. We suck. We just terribly suck. And I don't <laughs> we know suck. what's going to change. We suck so bad. Like, I've never seen a team like this. In 2018, I had much more hope. We had Devontae Adams at least. We have nothing. We have nothing. Rodgers had a broken leg, and we had Devontae Adams, and I feel better about that than I do right now. It, I, it's just the worst feeling. And you know, every year we do this, it gets worse and worse because Rodgers is going to get a year older next year by this time. And when is it that he starts to not play well? That's a question. Maybe it never happens before he retires because he's. I feel like he can keep this. The level that he's playing at, I think, is that MVP-type level. Obviously, he's missing throws, but I think that peak level of performance from him that we see on a throw-to-throw basis, he's still that MVP-type player. He can make all those throws. So when is it that he starts to not play as well? The window is getting closer and closer. When does he decide to hang it up? All these questions make every loss that we have this season and every year more and more difficult. And now we're going into this season. We are six games left. We can afford no more losses. We have to win six more games. And that's just to have a shot at the playoffs because there's scenarios where we win all six games. And it won't even matter, Griff, because teams like the Giants and Seahawks and Cowboys will have more wins than us. And there's seven spots. We need to get one of these wild card spots. We can do it, but we need help. And that's all there is to it. I don't, it's just, it's tough. It's, it's really tough to see this happen, and now we're going into another year where the odds are very much in favor of the idea that we won't make the playoffs. And Rodgers is going to turn 39 on December 2nd. And when does it end? When does he decide to hang it up? We, we have another year, I think, in him, and he's, he's probably going to play next year. He's got a lot of money on the table that it would be tough to turn away, and I don't think he wants to go out like this either. So, what? but... How can we construct a roster with this GM, with this head coach, with the lack of cap space and all that? I mean, it it is just really tough to foresee it. And every year it gets more and more disappointing because how many of these chances are we going to have? And now you don't have Devontae Adams. It's tough. It really is tough, and it's disappointing, and it's it's hard to see a way out of this. Rodgers is going to be turning 40 years old next fall. Oh, he's going to be 40 hitting the big four. Oh, geez. You know, Braun, I am the king of, like, the pointless, you know, game callbacks that no one cares about. Well, this loss to the Tennessee Titans reminded me a lot of the loss to the Seattle Seahawks in 2018. And there's some weird things about that, Braun. 
that loss, you know, just like this game, you know, we didn't have a lot of faith in that team, but that was the loss that really felt like the the nail in the coffin, you know. That felt like the loss that ended our season. Right white there. uniforms. White uniforms, all white uniforms, also on Thursday night, also week 11. We also only had four wins when we lost that game. Very, very strange. Here's another strange thing, completely unrelated, a little bit more optimistic. If you want the Packers to go on a six-game winning streak and uh, th- you want this four-win Packers team to win the rest of their games and run the table and make it to that. the playoffs, I I'd want that, that too. Guess what? Just like 2016, it starts week 12 with the game in primetime in Philadelphia against the Eagles, where we will be underdogs. Very weird how the NFL has set this up for us, man. Week 12, just like 2016, we're going to Philadelphia on Sunday night football. 2016 was Monday night football, but still, prime time, no one's going to have any faith in us, and then we're going to win that game, and we're going to win the rest of our games too and make the playoffs, and then... uh, I don't know. Win the I'm, Super Bowl, I'm, you forgot. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like woke up from my, my fantasy, so I had to stop talking there. Um, I think that's going to do it for the podcast. We have to mention here, if you want to call in and get your voice heard on this podcast, if you want to share your takes, if you have thoughts, if listening to us for the past 45 minutes has made you angry or made you passionate and you want to share your thoughts, you can call the number 920-430-0711. To call that number, you have to wait, leave a voicemail, and we will play it on the show and discuss it on our next episode, which should be coming out before the Philadelphia Eagles game. Uh, so we will be we we already have a bunch because we both put it on our story, Bron. We plugged the phone number on our story, so we have a bunch of voicemails right now that we will uh, you know sort through and listen to. But if you want to get on the show to have us discuss your take, to let us play your take, uh, you just got to call that number nine two zero four three zero zero seven one one. Leave a voicemail, and uh, yeah, good chance that we're going to discuss it on the show. So make sure to do that. But thank you so much for listening. If you're still listening at this point in the season, man, we have to give you our thanks because it's been a tough season, definitely been a tough season. But I think, Bron, I think we've had a good time doing these podcasts, these review podcasts. Um, So it means a lot. Make sure to review the show five stars on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening. Uh, Send us a review. Leave a review on Apple. You can't leave a review on Spotify beyond the star rating. But if you want to give us feedback, you can DM us at Today in Titletown on Instagram. You can follow me at AllDayPackers. Braun is at Lambo.Leapers. And we will be back to discuss your voicemails in the next episode of the show. So thank you. Stick around for that. And go Pack Go. Thank you for listening, everyone. Forever and always. Go Pack Go!